good, whatever it is for you guys, everybody. This is uh, featuring Jeff Goldblum, featuring me, Tyler Armstrong. Yeah, I'm here too. Uh, Austin Armstrong, it's me. Okay. I don't know if it's featuring me, but I'm here. Hey, you, you'll probably be featured. I assume right. you'll be in a decent amount of it. All right, cool. Yeah. It just depends on how the editing goes. Yeah. Well, today, Aust, I thought we'd start off the episode by actually talking a little bit about our man, Jeff. Been a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's come up a couple times in some reviews, so I thought we would just address it now. Been a while. Yeah, we were on the attack there for a while, but... Yeah, back to, back to Jeff. So, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Jeff Goldblum uh, made a movie that Mr. Bean is also in. Okay. Yeah, it's called The Tall Guy. Uh, he plays the lead. Uh, the Tall Guy. As the Tall Guy. Yeah. Uh, Emma Thompson's in it too. Rowan Atkinson, that's Mr. Bean. When was this movie made? Uh, this movie was made in the... I've never heard of that movie. Yeah, most people haven't, oddly enough. It was made in the 90s. Uh, it's from the hit writer of Notting Hill and Four Weddings and a Funeral. It's a sharply funny story punctuated by the likable comic chemistry of popular stars Jeff Goldblum of Jurassic Park and Emma Thompson of Sense and Sensibility. Awkward and out of place Dexter, Mr. Goldblum, is a hard luck American actor struggling to get by in one of the theatrical stages in London. His dreary personal life, however, gets a much needed shot in the arm when he meets a pretty nurse, Emma Thompson, during one of his many visits to the local clinic. Together they find love. When your life is like Dexter's, it's hard to know a good thing when you get it. With a wonderfully memorable performance by Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean, and a stellar cast, don't miss this smartly detailed and charmingly hilarious comedy. So clearly, I didn't want to miss it. But guess what? What? We all have to miss it. It's impossible to find. It is not streaming anywhere. It is not available to download. It is not available to pirate if you do those things. And I did some deeper searches. And if you want this DVD, you can find it on Amazon. There's one left in stock for $68.44. $68 DVD? For the DVD. Then there's also a shipping charge for that. Uh, there is a couple more. On sale for $131.01 or $305.21. Now, Janine and I made a pack to watch this movie, and I have not for the life of me been able to find it or get it. I'm part of a program now called DVD Exchange, where I now have to go out to different quick stops and things and buy DVDs I'm willing to exchange for other DVDs in hopes that someone might have this film somewhere. Oh my gosh. But no, it's just impossible. It's impossible to find. I called my friend from London. He's never heard of this movie, nor is he interested in it, nor is he willing to go look in video stores, which don't really exist anymore, also in London, to find it either. Uh, the Tall Guy by Jeff Goldblum. Why? I'm wondering why it's so hard I, to... I don't know. Very few copies made? Bad movie? It, I mean, it has pretty darn good reviews. Like It has four and a half stars with 797 reviews. People found it to be delightful and funny and interesting, but it is impossible to find. And the people that are finding it... <laughs> you want a review? Yeah, please. A British comedy for people that don't like British comedies. Both the good and the bad thing about The Tall Guy is that the British comedy with an American sense about it. 
means that it's not terribly appealing to either people who like British forms of humor or those that like the American style. But I think it works very well. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyway, I don't know what it is. Like, everything else, pretty much, including the weirdly obscure, I can find of Jeff Goldblum. But this one movie, this hall guy, is impossible to find anywhere. Weird. It's just lost from time. I want, yeah, just, that doesn't make any sense why it would be. Yeah, it's, it's one of our mysteries of the day. This episode is, uh, is sponsored by the letter M. Nope. <laughs> For mystery. Which is why I started with one. If you guys know how to find the tall guy, or why, for some reason, it's just missing from the database. Maybe Jeff bought every single copy. I mean, I know why powder is harder to find. It's because there's some weird thing with the director being like a rapist. That would do it. It was a Disney film, too, so they like really squashed it. But I can still get a copy of powder. But you have to spend $300 to get this movie. The Tall Guy, which got good reviews that people liked, a movie people wanted to watch. You can't find. It makes... There is something going on here. Somebody had the idea of just buying all the copies and then selling them on Amazon for $300 a copy. I mean, the best deal I can find is $68.44 for a DVD. That's ridiculous. Of a 90s film. And you can't download it, like pay and download I cannot it. find it anywhere. What? It just doesn't exist. Maybe. No one has the rights to this movie. I, hmm. So if you guys can find a better version for me, let me know. But we're going to start our episode today specifically talking about... The enigma that is Jeff Goldblum. Because from this movie I can't find, we have now his newest venture, which once again, video games. Video games, huh? Video games. Have you heard of Jurassic World Evolution 2? The video game? This assumes that there is a Jurassic World Evolution 1, Mm -hmm. which there is. Okay. And it's not what you think, like a a rough and tough em shoot 'em up dinosaur fighter game that's like what the old ones all were think roller coaster tycoon so you're building a jurassic park you're building a jurassic park and guess who plays the main voice oh jeff, our boy jeff our boy jeff is now in another video game and i say another because he's been appearing in video games since 1997 he was the original Dracula in the Goosebumps point-and-click adventure. He was the voice of Nero in the 2015 Call of Duty Black Ops 3. And now he will be Dr. Ian Malcolm in Jurassic World Evolution 2, where you build and manage your own Jurassic Park theme park. <laughs> I don't see this going over well. Yeah, I guess uh, they tried it the first time, and people said that there wasn't, like, a... Uh, a lot of features and there wasn't really a reason to play it more than once through or even finish it in the first place. So they're back with number two. And this time they have the sequel, which will address all those things by adding new locations like forests and deserts and extreme weather, new building types, and more importantly, new scientist roles and more dinosaurs. (laughs) There's now 75 prehistoric creatures in total, including the Carnotaurus. And the Megalosaurus and new flying reptiles that are technically not dinosaurs. Like the Paternodon. I, I nailed that one. Yeah. And Dimorphodon and marine reptiles such as Mos- 
Mosasaurus. Mosasaurus. An Attenboroughosaurus named after Sir David Attenborough. And they'll interact with, and by interact with, I mean eat your guests mm-hmm. at the theme park. Uh, but I was able to find uh, Jeff himself talking specifically about this. So I'm going to give it up for a second to our boy Jeff. Talking about the video game? Talking about the video oh, good, game good, good, good. his role. So you keep going back to the role of Ian Malcolm. And uh, I love that that you're bringing this consistency to the universe. And what is it about this character that, that keeps bringing you back? Well, I tell you, um, the people with whom I work are very nice. My experience with it from the very start was peachy, you know. I met Steven Spielberg, read that book by Michael Crichton. That character is an interesting character, I think, and interesting for me over the decades and over several attempts, you know, in different ways. Uh, A person of intelligence and humor and uh, fun and... um, integrity and uh, courage i believe and all sorts of things he's a uh, multifaceted it's a you know a better fellow than i am in real life and a, an interesting person to keep uh, uh, exploring and investigating i'm curious when you uh obviously when you get uh, go into a movie role you get a script and you learn about your character's motivations and and maybe talk to the director and writers and, and everyone involved how was that process in, in doing a game uh, when you were reprising your role as, as a character? They sent me a, a, all the lines, and they're usually, they've been in my couple of experiences with this, and se- several, there's a lot to say that they've written for me, but I, I meet them when I get there to the lovely um, sound studio, and we start recording, and that's about it. We, we, uh, we, we go through, we start, you know, laying down tracks and, and doing the lines, and they're very smart, the people who have written these things and work on these things and produce these things and um and they've allowed my character to elaborate on his views and you know ways of speaking and jokes and things and um it's fun but we usually do it like that it's really kind of uh off the cuff for me they've it looks like they've put a lot of work into it and prepared and seen the movies and studied it and come up with uh, a lot of interesting ideas and things and then i just go and and uh, you know, see see how I can help out. <laughs> yeah, I just <clears throat> thank you, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Uh, yeah, that it gave us nothing, right? Yeah, pretty much nothing. Yeah, nothing at all. <laughs> I, I did like how he says he just walks in. He's like, yeah, I just kind of walk uh, in. And I just recorded talk. the lines that were told. Yeah, to me. Wow. In my truly Jeff way. Very insightful. Well, it sounds like he's doing good though. I mean, he's keeping busy. That's for sure. Well, there's a Another Jurassic Park coming out next summer, huh? Yeah, Jurassic World 7, Three? 300. I don't know. It's two, getting like two. Fast and the Furious. Yeah, yeah. they're doing a bunch. In uh, real dinosaur news, are you ready for this? Actual dinosaurs? Actual dinosaur news. Though the age of dinosaurs ended long ago, less time separates us from the Tyrannosaurus Rex than the T-Rex is separated from the Stegosaurus. Yeah. It turns out that the Tyrannosaurus Rex is such a new type of dinosaur in the timeline that it is closer to the iPhone than it is to the Stegosaurus. What? (laughs) In the chronological timeline of all time. Yeah. So uh, paleontologist William Diller Matthew, in what he calls life splendid drama, throws around the deep time estimates framed in millions of years 
into a wider context of life's history. So the Mesozoic era, which lasted from about 250 million years to 66 million years, is often called the age of the dinosaurs. So when you think of the age of the dinosaurs as a kid, that's sort of the area you're thinking of, the Mesozoic era, uh, in which a lot of dinosaurs, like the Stegosaurus, like the Apatosaurus with a little thing on its head, the Allosaurus, the Stegosaurus, roamed North America about 150 million years ago, right? Right. Uh, Tyrannosaurus and Triceratops did not even evolve until about 67 million years ago. And when you think about that, just as time, it seems like just the dinosaurs lived a long time ago, right? But there's an 83 million year gap between the time that we had the Stegosaurus and the Tyrannosaurus and the Triceratops. Hmm. And if we look at that time on just a chronological timeline, then in all reality, from the time the Stegosaurus came up to the time the Tyrannosaurus came up to the time that humans came up and then further on the iPhone and the age of the internet, the gap in millions of years between the two are closer to us than the T-Rex than they are to the T-Rex and the Stegosaurus. No way. So Tyrannosaurus Rexes were pretty into iPhones. Yeah. They they liked uh, Ninja Fruit. Is that a game? Fruit Ninja Fruit Ninja? Blick Block? Blick, Blick Block? I'm not <laughs> used to these games. <laughs> I'm closer to the T-Rex than the people with the iPhones. So I'm like the lost link between... Tyrannosaurus Rex and iPhones. And, and humans and iPhones, yeah. Oh. And beyond that is Dad and then the Stegosaurus. Dad's closer to the Stegosaurus. Slightly. Yeah. But not by a lot. You know, in millions of years. Yeah. So that's interesting. Dinosaurs. iPhones. Yeah, I gave you like so much dinosaur talk. Are you ready for more? Yeah. This isn't really dinosaur talk, but do you remember how Jurassic Park came about? Um, No. You remember, like, there's Amber, and they got a mosquito in the Amber who had sucked on a dinosaur? Ding-dong? No. Maybe not a ding-dong specifically, (laughs) but there there was a mosquito that had dinosaur blood, and they were able to take, like, the fossilized Amber and extract the DNA of the dinosaur and then recreate them? Sounds about right. Okay, well, (laughs) uh, uh, people are tired of mosquitoes. Not only biting them, but spreading diseases worldwide. Malaria, dengue fever, yellow fever, you name it. Mosquitoes spread it, right? Well, some scientists were able, recently, to eliminate two of the light-sensing receptors in a mosquito that make it able to see and bite humans. So, they used a gene-editing tool called CRISPR. We've probably heard of CRISPR before, the gene editing tool that we've been using to work on things like cures for AIDS, Mm -hmm. uh, all sorts of stuff. Anyway, there's a new paper published in the Journal of Current Biology where they were able to track down how mosquitoes see other humans. And it turns out they take uh, organic cues from our skin, which are often very uh, light-based. And when they removed those specific cues, so they basically had people go into a room and get bit a bunch, Mm -hmm. so they could see uh, and monitor the mosquitoes to figure out what 
gene specifically in the mosquito is allowing them to see the human and bite them. And then they're able to take those mosquitoes, uh, remove two of those genes, and sure enough, it made the mosquitoes completely blind to human beings. They would, they would, uh, so they said, what would happen? Wait, it made the mosquito blind? They're not entirely blind. They just remove the protein that's found in our heat and our blood that allows the mosquito to find us as a food source and feed on us, and they removed it. So then the mosquitoes would basically just go right past other human beings and look for other sources of food because they've removed the two genes that are associated with them finding us as food sources. So how how are they going to make it so people can use this technology? Well, what they're thinking is... Not just is, doing surgery on a mosquito. No, it's it's not a surgery thing. They'll breed these mosquitoes specifically. And then these mosquitoes will breed with each other, creating a whole population of mosquitoes that can't see humans. Gotcha. So they'll be released into the wild, uh, and the species population in general will crash... Uh, because they won't be able to find the blood necessary to make other eggs. So the population mm-hmm. in general will go down. The population that survives will be unable to detect humans and feed on other food sources. Humans being the main food source because we've like overtaken the planet. Yeah, we're everywhere. Yeah. Um, so it's like the biggest future strategy for mosquito control ever created. And also stopping us from ever creating Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> you like that tie? <clears throat> yeah, it's nice. Nice dinosaur tie. All right. Well, on to Vibe of the World. Vibin'. Let's vibe. What is the vibe of the world right now? It's not great, to be honest. Yeah. Let's start with some fun stuff, though. Lil Nas X, Montero, Grammy winning yet? Has Maybe? He? I don't know. Maybe? Anyway, our favorite new rapper now works for Taco Bell. What? That is right. Chart-topping rapper Lil Nas X says the life has come full circle, and he is now the chief impact officer of Taco Bell. Chief impact officer. Chief impact officer. Uh, there's now a partnership between Little Nas X and the fast food chain Taco Bell, uh, where he is now called the chief impact officer. Uh, his job will be to play out with a menu of activities, collaborations, and company-wide push leading up to his upcoming album, Montero. Uh, Taco Bell even promises that Nas X will come up with some new menu innovations for their American-based food chain. What? Yeah, uh, I guess originally, before he became a famous rapper, he did work at a Taco Bell chain in Atlanta, Georgia, and Taco Bell reached out, and he accepted the offer of being their chief impact officer, meaning that they will support his upcoming album, and he will basically, like NASCAR, be branded by Taco Bell. Oh my And create gosh. innovations for Taco Bell on their behalf. And yes, he is Grammy winning. Uh, and even in a music video, the sun goes down. Little Nas X is shown visiting his teenage self who's struggling and lonely, working at a Taco Bell and taking high school classes. 
but that's the start of the vibe of the world right there. Lil Nas X. Lil Nas X. Taco Bell. the Taco boy. Bell team. Now we're going to go all the way over to Denmark for this next vibe of the world. Okay. I didn't this, mean to interrupt This song the really goes to... Yeah, really it's playing them all out today. <laughs> I'm letting them, letting, <laughs> letting them ride today. So in uh, Copenhagen, Denmark, they've created a thing called the Human Library, where instead of pulling out books, you check out people. And it's not what you think. It's not mm. like a sex trafficking mm. thing. <laughs> was like, mm. No, it's this nonprofit who's created this place in order for people to better understand each other and hear life stories and and better world knowledge. They've brought people together who volunteer their time from all different walks of lives, from being uh, Buddhist monks to being drug addicts to being nuns to being teachers in low-income countries, etc. And they basically get a spot in Copenhagen where they get to stay and live and be uh, texted or called when they're quote-unquote checked out from the database. And they come and spend a few hours with you just talking about their life story. So people are coming from all over the world to the human library to check out other human beings to basically just talk about their life experience and learn something about them. And it is, uh, their goal is basically a global implementation of the human library as a learning platform for people to become more inclusive and understand and better react to the world around them. Interesting idea. <clears throat> I like it. Yeah. Kind of rad. I like that. Finally, the human library in vibe of the world. And this one kind of needs some music, honestly, because uh, this one's called contaminated currency. So it was found uh, that almost 92% of U S currency has traces of cocaine in it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, this is pretty 92%. wild. 92%? Yeah, almost all of it. Has seen a, a mirror before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, three out of every four banknote, if you're looking at it that way, is tainted by cocaine or another illicit drug. But in a more recent study, they said uh, more likely 92% of all American currency is contaminated with at least a trace of an illicit substance, mostly cocaine. And wow. several theories have been suggested to explain the contamination. Uh, handling during drug dealers, uh, used to roll up and snort drugs, uh, or infected by other notes in close contact, or stacked together in environments or other financial institutions. But yeah, uh, since... Uh, the early 90s, the majority of the money that is now in circulation has some trace of cocaine on it. So if you're really jonesing, just lick that dollar bill, baby. Yeah, get a paper shredder. <laughs> Shred it up. Was that going to work? This seems so. like a bad idea. Yeah, I don't think so. I, think you just... I, I hope everybody knows that you shouldn't do any of the things that we say on this yeah. podcast at any point. I don't recommend snorting money. I mean, that's kind of what you're doing with cocaine anyway, right? It's, it's pretty expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's where I was going yeah, with it. I think so. You you uh, want to take a quick break on that note? Yeah. 
we'll just gonna yeah, I'm just gonna leave that slide one. right <laughs> into the commercials <laughs> now. All right, we're back, uh, and we are blessed to have Miss Natalie Hewitt back with us as well. Our favorite veterinary technician. There you go. Yes. Well done. Welcome back, Natalie. Thank back. you. Glad to be back. Yep. How was drugging and hurting dogs and cats? Uh, today was consultation, so not... None of that. Okay. Yeah. That's good. And she doesn't hurt them. She only hurts people's feelings when they think she's hurting dogs and cats. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I, I work at a veterinary dental practice, and people think that sometimes at consultations, some people think that it is somehow morally wrong or harmful to the animal to remove a tooth. And no, I mean, <laughs> someone says that it's so they don't even realize that they just insulted everything that I've been doing for the last few years. Yes. I show up to work and I go out of my way to hurt animals by taking out their teeth. Or but, I don't know why when she just said dental, for some reason, I just got this magical image of Timmy, the tooth in my head or <laughs> Timmy, the tooth. <laughs> oh, I don't even know. What you're Timmy talking the tooth about. was a great show. I don't know what that It wasn't is. a real show. It wasn't? Yeah, it was, I thought. No. Yeah, it was. I, I feel like it only shows up in, in dentist offices. I don't think it's a real show. <laughs> Timmy the Tooth was a real show. Look it up. Ah, fuck. I told you. It was a real show. It was very scary. It had one season in 1994. <laughs> yeah, it did not do well. The Adventures of the Timmy the Tooth is direct-to-video musical puppet <laughs> television series produced by Bomp Productions. Bomp. Yeah. Yeah. Although James Murray's in it, so they probably that? show it to the animals before they get their teeth. Anyway, extracted. sorry, sorry, Natalie. Moving um, along. Uh, <laughs> I have nothing to contribute. Who was your to favorite Timmy? patient today? Oh, it was a Frenchie, and she. Those are bulldogs, right? Yeah, tiny. They're like uh, little. Yeah, sausages. French French bulldog. Yeah, yeah. they're they're tiny. They uh, are brachycephalic, which means they have uh, very short noses and they snore a lot. And when they breathe too fast, which is all the time, they go. <laughs> Oh, so like pugs and yeah. boxers, that kind They're of thing. All, mm-hmm. Say that yeah. word again for us. Brachycephalic. Brachycephalic. Nailed it. Nice. Good job, guys. I'm nice. proud of you. So it's kind of like me. Yeah, Austin's brachycephalic. Yeah, it would probably be you around a pretty girl that you've meet, met for the first time. You need all kinds of wagging your tail. You get so excited, you might pee yourself a little bit, drooling yeah. everywhere. It sounds like every weekend for me. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta stop going to Coachella. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you got? What else you got? Yeah, well, Natalie wasn't aware of this, but we're sort of in the middle of a segment. So uh Are we? We'll finish it with another news. In other news. Oh. <laughs> that was close. So this is some news from around the world that's a little bit um interesting and funny. And we'll start with something neither interesting nor funny. Ready? That's a little funny. In local news. Another news. Oh, in, in other news. In other local news, and this time. Okay. Cabrillo College is up for a vote soon for renaming the college itself. I wonder why. Why? Does it say why? Do you wonder why? I do wonder. Yeah, there's a reason. They wouldn't just decide, like, yeah, it's been Cabrillo long enough, yeah. so I guess it should be something else. Now. I think it's time. Maybe new Cabrillo? No. So... Uh, Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo, the college's name after, is a famous uh, Spanish explorer from 1542, but it turns out uh, during his 
adventurous explorations, he also enslaved and brutalized the Amamutsin tribes who lived in what? the local so area. So here's a real big piece of shit. I'm yeah. so shocked by that. Yeah, 1542, no, an explorer. Wait, oh. Yeah, the only one we got left is Christopher Columbus, the only good guy we know. Oh, oh yeah. Wait. Wait a yeah. minute. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, hold on. So once again, a Spanish guy comes over and fucks everything up. But anyway, uh, they have by, statues of By the way, I was trying to be sarcastic, but it really didn't come that way come through that way on the mic I, that's well, regrettable it, it did I, I was being yeah sarcasm tried. doesn't always stick on the mic sometimes uh yeah no it's yeah. stuck i can still see it. <laughs> it's still there lingering. oh good oh yeah okay there it is <laughs> anyway uh a lot of people are really <laughs> upset that the college is called cabrillo uh and they want to rename it how so, was how was this history brought to light cabrillo uh nope, it was brought work. to light by the fact that it's a <laughs> college where education happens and some of the people that you know study history were like by the way uh, the person in the college after is a total racist piece well, of crap. Well, couldn't they? Well, I guess there's Cabrillo Highway, but that's named after him probably too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there's going to be a vote soon to rename the college. What are they? Is there any uh, anything on the table? No, which is why I think we should put some things on the table now. Oh, I thought we were going to do like a drum roll for the runners up, featuring Jeff College. Featuring Jeff College isn't bad. Yeah. Oh. That's a good start. I was also thinking if we stuck with like the Cabrillo College, because I like the alliteration, we could do like Cardi B College. Yeah. Or like Calculator Crew. Calculator Crew? <laughs> I don't know if Calculator Crew is going to work. Or like Competency College. Competency College. I think uh, there's definitely no. a good name for this, guys. There's a good name for it. Uh, Community uh, colleges are the new way. Regular colleges in the U.S. are just bullshit. So maybe, what, what if we keep with bad other people, but not specifically that hurt that tribe? So we could be like Caligula College. Like hurt a lot of people, yeah. caused a lot of damage, but not specifically in this area. Yeah. Why just don't get we out of just talk area? about the local ecosystem? That's never horrible, and it always tries to remind us about things to protect and to promote awareness. Do you have a awareness? name that starts with a C, though? Because I feel like they're pretty stuck on the C thing. Oh, why do you feel that way? Tell me. <laughs> <It was> just... <laughs> you, you are stuck on the C thing. Okay, what about Amu Mutsen <laughs> Tribe College? Or yeah, Amu Mutsen College? In, just... in respect to the tribe that or got like, I'm a, a, Amu go to college. Amu go to college. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm thinking of uh, local biology sea things. Yeah, we already got the banana slugs. So what about like? Well, they're the Seahawks. Oh, they're the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. Are Seahawks a real thing? Or are those just seagulls with a better name? Mm, no, they're a real thing. Yeah, they're not around here though. So, so why are we named after them? I don't know. I mean, why don't we? What's like a only Santa Cruz thing? We could be like a redwood themed. I was thinking coniferous. Semper, Semp College. Semper Virens College. But I think that might be too broad. I think there might already be one of those, though. Yeah. That's, a red, that's a redwood tree, right? Semper Virens? It's, the genus? it's a very large genus. Yeah. yeah. It's like 50% of... But we want to like, there's make a lot of large genuses, right? So I know, Semper Fi. I was like, Semper Virens is like a military thing, too. Not Semper Fi. Semper Fi is the yeah. military thing, I thought. Yeah. Well, Marines specifically, because I watched NCIS. Well, there you go. That's my knowledge okay. base. Cardi B College it is. Cardi B. Uh, Mountain Dew has created a new flavor. You ready for this? Is it Taco Bell specific? Not quite. 
Is but it it's not too related? far out of the vein. And no, it's not urine related. Green urine. Is it? It's a new flavor. No, they tried Hulk piss in the they late brought, 90s and it didn't work. Ooh, I they, like that. They brought back Code Red. They, well, kind, they you're, you're in the vein. Sweat. You guys ready for this? Mm-hmm. You guys ready for this? Flaming Hot Mountain Dew is now available. What? Based on the Flaming Hot Cheetos, but now they have Flaming Hot Mountain Dew. So spicy Mountain Dew? Yeah. Uh, the only thought I can think of is that they're trying to destroy your stomach lining as quickly as humanly possible. Because <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine it being good on any level. But yes, Flaming Hot Mountain Dew is now I mean, available. I, ha- I have to try it. I just want to say that if any of the CEOs responsible for trying to find someone to do your marketing, if you're listening right now, I'm available and I'm better than this jackass. You want to give us a quick? Yeah. What What would your flavor be? What? Yeah. You give us I mean, top of, your top three flavors. Well, you want to go with something refreshing and your name is Mountain Dew. I'm so going to give you some music in the background real quick. Give me a second. So it's oh, going to be foggy no. and dewy. Okay, here we go. You're going to give us your flavor pitch. <laughs> Morning Dew. Here we go. My pitch? I don't even have a name. Okay, your name's Natalie, and you're working for Mountain Dew now. Here we go. Oh, stuff it. Let's, let's get a pitch. It's a little loud for a pitch. I think. <laughs> I'm not you guys. I can't just pull a pitch out of my ass. Okay. Um, you just said you're available. Okay, so here we go. Yeah, for marketing that requires thought processes, not... Do you need more time? Okay, Tyler and I are, I Tyler and I are CEOs. We're going to fire off some flavors at you. You tell us what you think. Here we go. Okay, so... Pine. My first flavor... Pine is your flavor? <laughs> I'm throwing <laughs> words out. It's the, we make soda, not air fresheners. Mm. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, you know that smell you have when you drive into a forest? I want to taste that, but not like an IPA. Like, I want to taste tree. Mm-hmm. Refreshing. I like that. Um, okay, so my flavor... It's like tea. My flavor would be... Have you tasted pine needle? It's very sour. Actually, yeah. So my my thing for Mountain Dew that I think they should go into... <clears throat> not actual flavors. Just call it what the color of it is. Green. Yellow. Mountain Dew yellow. Mountain Dew green. Mountain Dew blue. It tastes like blue. Blue number two. I don't know. Yeah, they... Uh, they need to stop trying to say things that are too specific. They need to be using words that are descriptions, you know, refreshing, like they already... Like, so, so what you're saying is Mountain Dew should create a flavor just called refreshing. Yeah. Honestly? Mountain Dew refreshing. Like what color... Don't, do they already have that on <laughs> What there? color is refreshing? Yeah. Is it... I mean, when... bright like green? Blue? Green is peaceful and refreshing to me. It's you go... Oh... Like dark okay. green or Mountain Dew green? Uh, I mean, when you think of the forest, because I mean, their their original color reminds me of that like uh, stuff from the Ninja Turtles. Would you drink the yeah. color though? Like obviously people do. Yeah. Ooh, they could do. Okay, they could do a line. Uh, based off of the Ninja Turtle slime, and they could tell you you're going to get superpowers. They could try that. I think that would I, work on toddlers. That I think would it'd be work. False advertising though. Well, I mean, that's why you think more on it and you okay. remove explicit information and you Yeah, the you guy talks really fast at the end of it, I guess. <laughs> you- <laughs> this probably causes cancer. We have not actually done any testing on this at all. Probably shouldn't give it to your kids, but here we go. We called it Ninja Turtle Slime. How about a, how about like a savory right? line? Like a hamburger flavored soda. Um, a hamburger flavored spaghetti soda. Spaghetti and meatballs. 
Oh god. I feel like this probably salty does tortilla. <laughs> Do you I'm, think you think it does? Savory I feel drinks? Like it must. I I would stick to words that that make you think of the forest. Yeah, and we, I would, we need words like like release, like sweaty tapatio. Uh, this flavor is called release. Basically, <laughs> they need to change the color. They need to to steer Exhale. away from the yellow piss green. Like it's bad. Velvet tongue, our newest release. Morning goop. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, that one's not going to fly as well. We'll put that on the back burner. We'll just spend a little more time on morning goop. Last time I saw that color, some oh, one of the animals was throwing up a rat poison. Morning goop. Sure. What is the color of morning goop? I'm curious. No, Mountain Dew. Oh yeah. Ugh. Speaking of rat poison, I've killed like five rats rats in the past week. Was one of them Splinter? Mm, no, he didn't make a funny, so I don't think so. Okay. Well, good. Well, he may never make a funny again yeah. if he did the wrong thing there. Bummer. Yeah. I showed you pictures. I had Splinter on my procedure table last week. You did a tooth job on Master Splinter? Yes, I did. Yeah. People help bring pet rats into your place? No, it was a terrier mixed breed that looked oh. exactly like the, uh, from the the live version, the Splinter oh, yeah, yeah, suit. Yeah, yeah. Our yep. sister had that dog. Speaking of which, we just saw Vanilla Ice the other day, and Michelangelo <gasps> did come out and dance. Yes. As did Optimus Prime. What, where, and when, how? And Tyler's favorite part was the handstand blow-up clown suit that was there for some reason. Where were you guys? Where's this on TV? Mountain Winery. Yeah, we got free tickets to the Mountain Winery. For what? Oh, Vanilla Ice. You yeah, Vanilla Ice. For Vanilla Ice. And others, I guess. And the Ninja Turtle came out and Optimus Prime. There there was a there was a Ninja Turtle Was suit? he singing Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go? Yeah, he did actually sing Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. He did? I, I mean, not the and whole Ice song. Ice Baby. He did like a blip of it? I don't think there is a whole song. I think it's just like a blip that was for, made literally oh, no, no, for it's Ninja a, Turtles. No, it's maybe. a song, dude. Well, he did like a yeah. minute and a half. I think that's no. just how long the song is. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. He didn't do a minute and a half. Yeah, it was about that. It was like 30 seconds. It just felt faster because Michelangelo Vanilla, was attempting they got Vanilla to break dance in that costume. That that show Mountain was Rainer exactly does, does so as good. hilarious as I thought it would be. They it, usually do so no, good. No, it was good. And it turns out the Upside Down Clown is from a show we like to call The Big Comfy Couch for, that started in the 90s. Oh, oh, yeah. Big Comfy Couch. Well, I thought it was hilarious because Tyler, the clown, he couldn't take his eyes off of it. <laughs> it was the best part of the show. Like, no matter what Vanilla Ice was, and Vanilla Ice kept, like, they are trying to spotlight Vanilla Ice, right? But this clown who was doing a handstand, like, dancing around the stage. They weren't actually doing a handstand. It's just the way they made it look. I don't think. No, it's an inflatable suit where the hands are the feet. Gotcha. But as he's moving around, like, Optimus Prime is, like, down in the crowd dancing, and Michelangelo's in the corner dancing, some guy dressed like a disco ball is dancing, and this inflatable clown just happens to be, like, wherever the spotlight is, and he just lights (laughs) up, like, because he's opaque, right? Because he's, like, in an inflatable outfit. So he, like, lights up so much more than anyone else on the stage, and he keeps just being spotlit, because Vanilla Ice is, like, near him, and he he can't go into the crowd. He was, like, a bulb. Because he's, you know, in this big inflatable suit and he's upside down and that's just dangerous <laughs> but because he's on stage and vanilla ice is like trying to do his he's like you guys revolver in the 90s and this is like upside down clowns just going behind <laughs> like i don't actually but this is rad <laughs> it, it was it was so a the clown stole the show 
Yeah. 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 All I remember from how long, like how much music does he have? Even? Well, Rob Bass played there two. There were like three songs. And Color Me Bad played. Okay. They did, had like Did the, they play? I thought that was a DJ. Well, they're all kind of DJs with like an MC in front. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's like their thing. But they did like the, it's a tool to make the thing go right. Oh, they nice. did like that yeah, song. Yeah. And they mm. did like the... Uh, <laughs> there's super, another one. Super memorable. Super good show. Anyway, you guys want a little bit more uh, really important news? Um, yeah. Yes, please. So uh, you know the story of Gilgamesh, right? That like famous epic mm-hmm. that was written on the tablets is one of the oldest things in history. Yes, I remember well, the, Angelina Jolie's costume. Well, the U.S. government just bought a three thousand five hundred year old clay tablet that bears the text. And some of some of the text of uh, the Gilgamesh fable from Hobby Lobby in New York for one point six million dollars. The U.S. government bought it. Yeah. Well, rather, it was forfeited to the United States because Hobby Lobby found in two thousand three <laughs> the Epic of Gilgamesh and bought it at an auction. And it's been living in a Hobby Lobby in New York ever since 2003 until the U.S. government caught wind that they have this epic poem and is entirely priceless. And they've had it displayed in their Hobby Lobby. (laughs) What? So, uh, (laughs) yeah. Did they know what they were buying? How Uh, the hell that hasn't been stolen is beyond me. They got it from an auction. I feel like I've missed a really good opportunity somehow. Yeah, uh, they got it in an Iraqi government auction. Oh, God. Uh, More stuff we stole from people. For $1.6 million. But this forfeiture represents an important milestone in the path through turning this rare and ancient masterpiece of the world literature to its country of origin. You took shit from people that took shit. It sounds like we're going to give it back to Iraq. Oh, good. At least that's what we're gonna say we're gonna do. That's our that's our peace, classic that's US. Our peace treaty. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Supposedly, it was sold. I'm all for giving things back to the countries that they are originated from, but I, I do, I do say, pro prove you can keep it safe. Yeah. True. Supposedly, the Hobby true. Lobby had it in a display at the Museum of the Bible in New York. Museum of the Bible. Oh, honey, you'd catch fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, every wedding I get invited to, I'm like, is this in a church? I can't it's go. still unclear whether the oh museum God, cooperated with the investigation. Yeah. I went to one Catholic wedding. My knees were not happy after that. Oh, yeah, I went to a Roman Catholic wedding. Holy Gee. crap. There's incense. I stood up and down probably 4,000 times. I was also mildly hungover at the time. Maybe it was a Roman Catholic. I mean, I got a little little sip of wine when I was 18, so that was nice. Yeah, it's a good touch. There's what? a lot of bad touches that come out of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is, it was... Couldn't help you just set me up for that one. <laughs> it was a Philippine family that was getting married, and my mom and I were invited as her co-workers, and... Not as guests. Just as co-workers. Well, the funny thing is, the only white people at the wedding were her co-workers. And the other funny thing is, the only single women who were available to catch the bouquet were her co-workers. So I caught a bouquet because it was about to hit the ground and I felt like that's bad luck. So it was a trap. And now you're married to a... 
I'm Filipino I was freaking 18 <laughs> and everyone's shoving me out onto the floor to go catch the bouquet, get married next. I'm like, no. At 18? Yeah. Well, there, I mean, for them, no, they're probably like, yeah, it was about it, right timing. It, it was hilarious. It was like a 80 person wedding and there's four women to catch the bouquet and it's all our like white people co-workers and it, it was just funny. We're all standing there looking at each other and then looking around in the crowd. We're like, really? This is it? It's just us? And Everyone the, else is married off? Okay. All the single men were like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this they, could be a great investment. They did keep pushing like the one teenage boy there towards me. and like He's 13, tell, he's 13 kept, now. He's ready. Like, the, yeah. There would be he's a, got a little mustache adults coming in. that would surround that. him. And then I, he, I felt like he got shoved towards me and told to talk to me. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. Hi. Yeah. You're a boy. Good job. Well, this is actually a perfect tie-in. Oh, cool. Because the next topic I want to talk about is Mr. Thomas Crapper. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, nah, I'm not even going to ask. Just go for it. Continue. <laughs> yeah, do explain. Thomas Crapper, baptized 28th of September, 1836, was an English businessman and plumber. He founded Thomas Crapper and Company in London, which was a sanitary equipment company. Crapper holds to this day, well, he's dead, but still in his name, are nine patents. Three of them were for water closet improvements, including the floating ball cock. You know that thing that yeah, makes yeah. the toilet yeah. flush? Mm -hmm. that's, that's Crapper. Crapper <laughs> invented the ball cock. He improved the S-Bend plumbing trap in the 1880s and officially inventing and then trademarking the U-Bend. Mm -hmm. Would Archer have it's said actually, phrasing Those are yet? also called P-traps, which is funny. Yeah, well, yeah, they're crapper trappers. <laughs> okay, now I feel like I can say phrasing. <laughs> he called them. He really ran phrasing. with his last name. Uh, the lavatorial equipment was manufactured on premises at the Marlboro Road, now Draycott Avenue, Crapper Company. The company owned the world's first bath, toilet, and sink showroom, which was on Kings Road, and Crapper was noted for the quality of his products. And he received several royal warrants, most of them saying, not crap. <laughs> <laughs> Manhole covers with Crapper's company name and logo are still to this day all around Westminster Abbey and have become one of London's minor tourist attractions. So you can go see the Crapper Manhole. <laughs> <laughs> Is it with a K or with a C? Nope. C-R-A-P-P-E-R. -P -P -E Crapper. Wow. What a last name. To yeah. So with. when you say, I'm going to the Crapper, you're going to thank Thomas for that. That's where that originated from? That's where that originates from. You know, from. I was going to say pass, but now I'm thinking if we ever go there, that would be an entertaining yeah. little diversion. If you're going to go take a crap, that's a Thomas crap to you. Well, on that note, I do have a piece. Uh, I went out in the field. I did some research. Okay, a little R&D. Yeah, what, what, what we like to call one of the world's lost legends. We did a history mystery this last week on a Civil War topic called Angel Glow. Are you ready for this, guys? No. No, I'm curious, but no. Yeah, sure. Let's go. Today we bring you Lost Legends. Today a mystery. 
from the Civil War era over a hundred and some odd years ago. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Megan, you ever hear of the Battle of Shiloh uh, during the Civil War? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, well, uh, as you might know, one of the bloodiest uh, battles in Civil War history. They had some good ones, but Shiloh's up there. Uh, what I wanted to talk about today with Shiloh is that during this battle, something happened. Uh, that's also happened at different baseball games throughout the years in American history and other things. But it, it was more interesting, I think, at the Battle of Shiloh. Because as soldiers are left in these swampy fields, uh, 20,000 some odd casualties... Uh, some of these soldiers, as the battle comes to a close in the evening, it's getting dark. All of a sudden, some of these wounded soldiers start glowing. A vibrant blue or green that came to be known as the angel glow. And these soldiers started to heal faster than the other soldiers. Touched, as they thought, by angels. Sounds crazy. I know. <laughs> yeah, but. the Shiloh battle was one of the bloodiest, definitely. And it was like 20,000 dead or wounded. But one of the biggest uh, factors was there were so many wounded that they couldn't pull them all off of the battlefield that night. Some people laid on the battlefield mortally wounded for up to like 48 hours. And the ones that were out there the longest started to see, you know, this phenomenon of glowing wounds. Um yeah, so that definitely fed a lot of the legends. And, I mean, we got theories through the years, starting with angels. Straight up angels. Coming down to touch them. We, <laughs> I've, I've heard theories of aliens uh, trying to come down and help these people. I've heard they're high on magic mushrooms. They're in a swamp, <laughs> they ate something weird, and they're seeing glowy things. And they're thinking it's it's something that it's not. And, I mean... I, I mean, I'll give you, I'm going to give you some war sounds in the background just to give you the, the hype. For the ambiance. Of the noise <laughs> happening behind them. It's just this gunfire upon gunfire and the drippy drip of the swamp and the dirt and the grime and then to be left... Yeah, I could definitely imagine, too, in... Uh that era having survived such a traumatic event if you witnessed something like that you would absolutely think it was like a, a divine intervention um there was also records that those soldiers who had uh the, the angels glow actually healed a lot better their scars weren't as prominent they had a much higher survival rate um after the battle and they glowed for years to come just kidding <laughs> like, I, don't think, I don't think that's right <laughs> So Angel's Glow, as it was known to be called, was this heroic savior of certain soldiers on both sides, both Union and Confederates. I was waiting for the drop. <laughs> <laughs> they had no explanation for this, but soon, as you said, doctors discovered there's a higher chance of survival for those that had the Angel's Glow. And I wanted to break this down, but we didn't get the chance. <laughs> 
because I want to fast forward 139 years later. When 17-year-old high schooler Bill Martin toured the Battle of Shiloh and learned of the quote-unquote angel's glow. So they get out to the battlefield. They hear the story of angels and Bill being an atheist and kind of a piece of shit, shit kid in general calls bullshit immediately his mother a microbiologist at the time he says hey Jonathan his good friend also a piece of shit dressed in all black chain, chain wall is the whole deal you know <laughs> they decide they're gonna solve this mystery so they scoop up some dirt did they just scoop up some dirt? Is that how they do this? Um, I don't think so. Typically with this kind of thing, you would like present your idea and then you have to get permission from the state and it's a whole paperwork trail. But whatever it, whatever the process was, it boiled down to, they decided to do this experiment and research this theory. Um, and it went really well. He actually hit it right on the head. Um, it turns out there was a bioluminescent bacteria in the soil. Um, and it comes from nematodes so nematodes are like a parasitic little worm that would actually attack insect larvae and so what it boiled down to is uh the insects that were attracted to the wounds on the soldiers you know how they talk about maggots being one of the cause or one of the um medical treatments for cleaning out a wound the maggots that were getting into their wounds had been infected by the nematodes which uh basically introduced this bacteria into the wounds so the bacteria is basically the nematodes introduce this bacteria to get rid of all other organisms so that they're the only ones there to eat basically and this basically just cleaned out the wounds so they introduced this bacteria that wiped out all other bacteria that would have led to like gangrene and infection and all kinds of stuff instead was replaced with this bacteria that created this crazy bioluminescent glow Leaving all the soldiers on the field at the time to see this ET-esque moment. When in reality, it was like like the same bioluminescence we'd find in a firefly, right? It's just this, this effervescent glow. Yeah, very similar, definitely. And the other thing I believe Bill Martin found, which threw off his science at the time, was that a bacteria of that sort normally can't live in a warm environment like the human body. But... Because these people had been stuck out in the cold on a battlefield, left overnight, bleeding out and dying, their body temperature dropped to such low levels that this bacteria could suddenly be introduced. So the longer, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about, but the longer you were left dying, the better chance you had of not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, essentially, the longer you were out there exposed to the elements, you know, the more opportunity this bacteria had to get in and work in the wounds, they actually ended up having a higher rate of survival, which is crazy. So Bill ends up winning the first place at the 2001 Intel International Science and Engineering Fair. He got a trophy and nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) But we all got to understand that angels at least don't help Civil War soldiers. Not in this case. (laughs) At least not in this case. And if they were involved, then, you know, it was no more than a glow stick-esque little bug, <laughs> bug feature. 
one mystery solved. <laughs> Next week. How are all the drugs being taken? How can someone be that small? How can someone <laughs> like weed that much? So who knew, right, guys? Pretty I love crazy. stories like that. Yeah, it was rad. Yeah, Angel Glow. And thank you, Megan, for the help on that story. We'll be trying to put out a Lost Legend every few weeks. Taking... I'm looking to get my hands on some of that. Yeah, no, it's not a good idea. <laughs> Why? Bacteria that glows? That keeps you from... Yeah, I mean, yeah, like dep- if you're bleeding out, yes, I get yeah, it. But saying. there's better ways now. Like keep it in your first aid Just, kit. Just remember that this is from the Civil War era, and stuff nowadays can do a better job. Oh, yeah, probably, probably true. Just, but I mean, it'd be cool to have a big cut, and then it glows at night. Yeah, that'd be kind of rad, I guess. I mean, as much as I dislike talking about religion in general, I mean, this is, both of you are, like, it. everybody's right. Why can't everybody be right? Just explain it with science. <laughs> whoa, whoa, what? Because <laughs> it's called Angel Glow, and they thought that angels were uh, saving yeah, that. Yeah, but okay, not everybody's yeah. right in this case. It yeah. ended up being like yeah. this bioluminescent maggot thing. It but. was a fantastic coincidence that it was saved fantastic. their life. It was fantastic. But it is explainable by science. So not everybody's right is still what I'm hearing. Yeah. Only science is right. That's my bad. I made the mistake of trying to not make religion totally, absolutely wrong. My bad. It's not. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, this has been featuring Jeff Goldblum. That sounds a little more like it. We want to thank our guests. Megan Cathcart, Natalie Hewitt, not Janine, who missed another episode, which officially puts me again as the most punctual. Yeah, and now her and I aren't tied. We're That's true. You're yeah. up one. Yep. The show's recorded in your living room. How yeah. could you not be here? Eat it, Janine. That's what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. You missed another one? Three strikes and she's out. That's two, right? Is that yeah, two? Yeah, that's two. That's not how it works. You guys love her. Well, she could be a, a guest again and not a co-host. Austin is just feeling very threatened by James. Let's count how many you missed. Anyway, one. only one. No one so far. Yeah, he's Oh, no, my one. goodness. This has been featuring what? Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I hope you have a wonderful evening. I do want to say before we leave. Or morning. Depends on when you're listening, I guess. Huh? That's very true. Yeah. I hope you guys just have a wonderful Day. life. Yeah. Because who knows when they're going to listen, right? Yeah. Hopefully life's going good for you. Yeah, and if it's not, you know, hopefully it gets better. So honestly, you just be safe out there, you know, and, and get your shots and uh, eat vegetables and, and... Follow your dreams. And follow your dreams and stop following that other person that doesn't want you to follow them. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just weird. It's yep. getting weird. Yeah. Consent. <laughs> have, a, have a great night, everybody. Yep. We're going to get the hell out of here. Bye. Well, I'm, I'm going to get out of here. You guys live here. Nobody yeah, but as soon as you is. leave, I get to take off my scrubs. So that's great. Mm, it's good for Tyler, too. Yeah, well. That last dog that I liked got a little too happy on my pants. Oh, wow. <laughs> good night, everybody. Bye.